and thank you so much for tuning in to the She Can Draw podcast. I'm your host, Mahi Joywala. Today, we're joined by the vice president and coordinating producer of the NBC Olympics, Rebecca Chapman. So where did you grow up? I grew up outside Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. So always been on the East Coast. So did you play sports growing up? I, you know what? I danced from the time I was two to the time I was 18. I did ballet, tap, and jazz. And then in school, I was a cheerleader. Um, I was always a huge sports fan, though. I um, We went to a lot of Washington football team games growing up, like almost every weekend, <laughs> um, and obviously all the high school sports. And, you know, D.C. is such a great area for sports. You know, we would go watch Georgetown basketball, Maryland basketball, so had a lot of um, a lot of great opportunities to see some pretty pretty impressive performances. And this is just a fun fact. Grand Hill is my same year in high school. And so his school would come play our school sometimes. And it would be like oh. NBA farm team is in the house. Yeah. Our poor, our poor team. So like, what did you study at Princeton? And how do you think that influenced the path of your career? I, you know, I firmly believe that when you go to college, you should study what interests you. Um, and, you know, you, you figure things out later. I mean, obviously, unless you're going into a pre-professional field like medicine, but, you know, I decided to study uh, romance languages. I did Spanish and uh, Portuguese and Latin American studies. And the great thing about romance languages, it, it, you know, I could take literature classes or art classes and history classes and politics classes, and they all counted towards my major. So I had a pretty generalized interest in things. And um, it was a really great way to go because it gave me a lot of chances to take to take different classes that I might not have if I had been in a different uh, major. What were some of the courses that you enjoyed? I uh, One of the classes that really stuck with me was um, a history of the intellectual. There was a, a professor, Arcadia Diaz-Quinones, who we had a small precept that was maybe 10 people in the seminar. And he would bring in speakers every week and we would read such interesting things um, and, and discuss them. And like, I remember Cornell West came and talked about Gramsci to us. And it was just an exposure to all these writers that I probably never would have um, would have been exposed to or, or, or read. And I thought that class was great. I also, John Wilmerding taught a 20th century American art class that was amazing. <laughs> so none of these are related to my major, but um, they were really, really great classes. Um, you know, I took a Latin American history class that was fantastic, a Latin American politics class that was great. Um, and it was just a really interesting region, especially, you know, in the 90s when NAFTA <clears throat> was getting passed. So um, a lot of a lot of interesting politics in that region um, that were happening. So but I, I sincerely believe study what you like and then, you know, you'll figure out what you want to do on the other side. And like how did media kind of integrate itself in there? Well, I think because I was such a sports fan, um, I wanted to give it a try. I wanted to work in sports somehow. I didn't think I wanted to be an agent because I didn't really want to go to law school, um, but I knew I wanted to be part of sports. So what I did was I did everything backwards and I interned after I left college. So I, I came home, I was lucky enough to live at home and I got an internship at the NBC affiliate in Washington, D.C., WRC. And I worked for a man named George Michael who had a syndicated sports show that aired every Sunday night <clears throat> across the country. It was kind of Sports Center before Sports Center. And, um, and he did the local, local sports and news. So I interned there for about three or four months after I graduated and then they hired me as a PA. Um, and I started working and I just, I made a deal with myself that like, I'll do this for a year or two. And then if it doesn't work out, 
I'll, I'll choose a different field. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll go back to school and, you know, maybe I'll go to law school. Maybe I'll, you know, go into banking, something like that. But it, it's, you know, I got the bug. <laughs> Live TV is really fun. Um, and then about, let's see. So I started in 94 and they hired me that fall. And then about three and a half years later, um, NBC got the rights to the next few Olympic games. And so they started an Olympic unit and I've always wanted to live in New York and I always loved the Olympics and it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. So I applied and I was lucky enough to get, uh, get a job within that Olympic unit. And that's where I've been ever since 98. What were some of the things that you were doing? Like once you got there, what made you think like, <laughs> I really like this stuff? Uh, I, well, when I tell you what I was doing, you're going to be like, why did you say you like that job? I mean, it was mostly logging games, um, you know, and trying to help pick out highlights, but it was a thrill the first time you get to go in an edit room and they're like, cut, cut highlights from this basketball game. You're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> what, what were the most important parts of this game? I've got to figure this out. Like, what story do I want to tell? And so that, you know, I started doing more and more of those highlight packages and I would get to go to the control room and watch the producer and then Eventually, they'd let me produce the like four or five minute segment on the the six o'clock news, which was thrilling. So, and you have to figure out, oh, wait, they took too long talking there, so we can't do that tape, so we have to lose that tape. So, um, it's all a giant puzzle. So, it's it's fun. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I mean, when you say PA, like that's like, oh, you run and get coffee, not edit and stuff. Right. That's well, definitely. I think I think because you know that's a good thing about local news. Like, you have a lot more opportunities to do so many different things because they don't have as big a staff so and like as a producer like what would a producer of like a live like a live game do so um you know a producer and director work you know together and the director is the person that's like cutting the cameras and talking working with the td like to show what you're what you're seeing the producer is kind of the high level person like okay <clears throat> these are the storylines we wanted to cover you know did do we tell this story do we want to roll in this, this piece of video that we cut that explains this story better? You're talking to the talent, you know, they might be talking to you and saying like, I want to tell this story here. So then you work with the director to get the right shots on the, on the air. But the producer is kind of like the over overarching, like storyteller, keeping the train on the tracks person. So, um, so when you're in the truck, um, it's actually good when you work your way up through a truck because you work so many different jobs and you learn to have a lot of different voices in your head. Because um, <laughs> I think that's the hardest thing as a producer because everybody wants to talk to you all of the time. So you have to know like who to listen to at what at what time. And you know, obviously talent is most important because they're the ones, the front-facing ones who are on the air. So if they have a question, they need something, you want to make sure. But you know, then the AD is telling you we need to go to commercial or the, the you know, graphics <laughs> PA is telling you, can you put this on screen? So and then like when you say like storytelling, how does that apply to like sports specifically? I mean, like the Olympics is the best example of it because, you know, a lot of these athletes that become Olympic stars, you've never heard of. It's not Tom Brady that you've watched right. play a million times. It's, um, you know, like um, I'm trying to think of oh, like, you know, Raven from the, um, the shot putter from the Olympics this summer where, you know, with, she had the crazy hair and the crazy yeah. masks and you know, <laughs> they told some interesting stories about her and she became this, this breakout star. And I doubt anyone had watched shot put, you know, much before yeah. that. So it's, it's, you know, people, you know, Americans naturally care about the, the U S team, but, you know, telling stories, telling the background of, of these athletes 
is so important because it gives you that much more rooting interest and you feel connected to them. So it can be, you know, we have like a two minute profile that we do on someone like Simone Biles that'll run as part of our coverage. But then we might be doing an equestrian, um, you know, clip and we don't have, we didn't have the, the resources to go out and shoot a feature with that person. So, you know, did, did our talent talk to those people ahead of time? Do they have some nugget um, <clears throat> that they can tell about, you know, their training or where they're from or, you know, what they, what they like to do in their free time, like anything that you can do to personalize people. And, you know, I, I think it really enriches the coverage and it makes it fun as a fan to, to hear these stories. And we do this really cool thing um, in conjunction with the USOPC um, before every Olympics, um, we call it West Hollywood because we do it out in West Hollywood and they take over a few sound stages and they bring like a hundred athletes in and they cycle through all these sound stages and some of it is to do promos. <clears throat> some of it is to do things for the affiliates and talk about their hometowns. There's one whole section where they, they, we ask them to bring personal photos and mementos and that they can scan. So you can see like Ryan, like one of the best examples is Ryan Murphy, the swimmer had a book that he made when he was in elementary school for his mom saying that he was going to win an Olympic gold medal. And so he won the gold medal in Rio and then they showed the clip of that book and it was, it was so adorable. So there's so many things like that. And, um, you know, it's interesting now too, you know, it's changed a lot since I started working in sports, but now with social media, the athletes are so good at telling their own stories and getting their stories out there. And so I think, I think it's just, um, you know, the younger generation is just really comfortable with, with putting their stories out there. So there's a lot of content that we could incorporate. Yeah, but like I feel like in your right production is so difficult in the sense of like you kind of have to make that decision of okay, like what do you want to have? And then everyone else also like has okay, what we want to add, and then you have to incorporate all that. How are you doing that when like in college that isn't even like your main cliche, right? Because I feel like most people would come in having like a media major, have a lot of experience, and then be able to do that. But like you're kind of going right in. So you just you learn a lot on the job. You know, a lot of TV, it's I think it's great. Some of these programs are fantastic and these kids have already worked in control rooms and in trucks and things like that. But a lot of TV is learning on the job because there's so many like different situations that you would never, you know, you couldn't plan for. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, staying calm, you know, knowing that you're prepared, knowing that you did your research um, and just being ready to react to things. Okay, and then moving like on to like more of the Olympics and like the timeline for that. So like, when do I first start prepping for the Olympics? I mean, we're already starting Paris now. Um, <laughs> Tokyo, we worked on for a really long time. Um, Beijing, we were planning while we were, you know, over the last couple of years, but obviously now we did it while we were in Tokyo and, you know, ratcheting things up now because it's, you know, like less than six months away, which is crazy to me. But we usually start, like, we're already talking about like where our sets will be in Paris and, you know, what our coverage will look like, but, wow. you know, a lot of stuff will change as we get closer because, um, you know, there's always, you know, a new platform that, okay, how are we going to showcase the Olympics on, you know, on this platform? Like, you know, last couple Olympics, we had Snapchat, you know, what's, what's going to be the new thing for, for Paris, who knows? So. And how do you like, cause the hardest part with the Olympics is like, it's everywhere, right? So like you're mm -hmm. planning where, so where are you guys based out of? We're based in Stanford, Connecticut. Um, okay. but usually like pre-pandemic we would do a lot of trips to the host country to see you know to go around see all the venues 
get a sense of the culture because I mean, that's the other thing with the Olympics. It's so great because there are all these fantastic places and you really get to show off these places and the, and the local culture, which I think is really important. You know, it was tougher in Tokyo because of the, the uh, lockdown, um, but it's still like, you know, Japan is such a special place. And, you know, I hope people, at, you know, in the States got a sense of Tokyo because it's a beautiful country. But yeah, usually we get to to do a lot of these surveys and meet with the committee and, you know, here are things that they want to showcase. And, um, but yeah, I think the, you know, Dick Ebersol in 2004 had this amazing idea at the Athens Olympics, like we were going to put every sport on TV. And so we had all this cable coverage and we really, that's when it kind of really blew up, you know, like for Tokyo, we had 7,000 hours of coverage. Um, you know, wow. for, for Atlanta, I think we had less than 200, which is crazy. Um, you know, and now every single sport streams and sorry, pop up. every single sport streams on our website. You know, we have, we had shows on Peacock for the first time, this Olympics, we had a show on Twitter for the first time, we had a show on Snapchat. Um, there's just a lot of platforms to showcase our coverage. And the great thing is if you're a fan of a sport, okay, you know, you might see swimming and gymnastics, you know, in prime time, but if you want to see archery, it's going to be on TV, it's going to stream, it's, you know, you can see stuff everywhere, so. And like, I knew that like, you guys did a lot of like different shows, like I saw the Peacock one and things like that, mm -hmm. like, how did that work? Because you guys were like doing it through different channels, I guess. Yeah, we have different, you know, we just have different control rooms, different studios, um, you know, we had studios and control rooms in, in Japan, we had studios and control rooms in Stanford, and, um, you know, we had to spread out our, you know, our coverage too, because of COVID. So we had people, you know, at Telemundo Center in Miami and at 30 Rock. And so we had, it was probably the most challenging games because we had people in so many different locations and you just, you have to keep everybody, you know, united and keep talking, yeah. you know, making sure we're all on the same page about our coverage because you want that, that continuity. But it's, it's pretty amazing how much the Olympics have grown oh, in yeah. such a short time. So no, for sure. I think everybody had that on, especially this yeah. year. And that was yeah. playing the whole time during my house. Um, That's awesome. were you in, yeah. Were you in Tokyo like during the I was. Okay. So yeah. during that I was whole... in Tokyo for about six weeks. Mm -hmm. mm, wow. And like I just I don't know how you plan for things when you're not there. Like how, how can you work from, from Stanford and get stuff done? That's crazy. Uh it's you know what? I think the pandemic has shown us how um, you know how to stay connected and our engineers are brilliant and they figured out early on in the pandemic like how we could keep covering things and covering sports and um you know we had talent at home calling you know figure skating or um you know and it, it you know if you're a viewer at home you wouldn't even notice like it just, yeah. it seemed the same and it was it was great you know i know all the networks ended up doing that but i just i was so amazed that they figured out so quickly how to do that like it's just it's incredible because before it was always like okay you can only cover this football game if everybody's on site and you know and I think I think the challenge going forward is just like we, what you were saying is trying to stay connected trying to make sure everybody is is working towards the same the same thing but I you know I think we're getting more and more used to it yeah and then with Tokyo because of given the circumstances and with COVID like how when did like what did it really impair the whole preparation process because like did you guys find out later that it was going to happen it didn't it didn't impair the process I okay. think 
the hardest part was waiting in 2020 to find out what was going to happen if they were going to you know be able to do the olympics they're going to postpone it but once it was postponed you know it was just like okay you know now we just have a little more time to plan and prep and you know go through everything but you know they did an exceptional job it really was a great games and it's pretty amazing to think that they had people come from all those different countries and you know they pulled something off so so amazing yeah, I think that was incredible. Like the fact that they had, they just, I, it was, it was really great. And I think it was really great for people um, to watch that from their homes during COVID because it's like, what else were we supposed to be watching? You know? Right. Totally. I know. It's like, I'm going to watch every Olympic. Yeah. Sport. What was your favorite sport during the games? Um, I liked swimming. I liked, I liked skateboarding a lot. That's cool, right? Yeah, I, mean, cool. I kind of just watched whatever was on because it was. In, I think the coolest part is like I normally only watch basketball. Like normally speaking, mm-hmm. like that's all I watch. But like you come down and you see whatever sports are going on, and these are the best athletes of their kind. And I think that also kind of eliminates the whole women versus men because I'd be watching sports and like I feel like I didn't really even realize like what gender I was watching because they're so talented. Like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the cool thing is the U.S. women, I think now I think it's up to the last three summer games have won more medals than the U.S. men. So, um, but yeah, I think that's the beauty of the Olympics. And I think it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, gender equity in the games. And it's just like, yeah, you're right. These people are just really impressive. And I think it's amazing that they've all dedicated their lives to their sport. Like it's so important to them. And like, yeah. you know how much they've sacrificed. And I think one of my favorite moments is, you know, unfortunately it didn't happen for Tokyo, but you know, when the athletes march into opening ceremony with their country and they get to wear the outfit and, you know, be behind their flag and they're so proud. And for so many of them, like that's their Olympic moment because they're going to lose in a heat tomorrow and then it's going to be over, but they've worked so hard to get there. Um, and they have so much national pride. I just think it's, it's just so, it's one of those like really pure moments in the world where you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. So, yeah, no, it's, it's truly incredible. But like, whenever you are like in the midst of like the Olympics, mm-hmm. like what does a day in your life look like? Um, <laughs> well, my days, the, the Olympics were tough. Um, my days would start around 7 a.m. Um, and I would get up, get dressed, you know, go, go to the IBC to work. And I would check in with all the different locations, um, make sure everything was going okay. Um, you know, check in on guests and producers and, and things like that. And then, you know, really just work, you know, these games, I didn't go home until about 1230 um, at night each night. So it was a pretty, pretty long day. Wow. Um, but I, you know, I was, I was in charge of all the Peacock content. So I wanted to stay through that, you know, I was trying to be there for the Peacock morning show and stay through the Peacock evening show, which was Tokyo Live, it was actually on in the morning in the States with Matt and Akbar. Um, but it was fun, you know what? Like we had a lot of um, new people working these games and new talent and they were so excited to be part of it um, that I fed off that energy. Like Matt and Akbar were just so excited to be at the Olympics and around people. And, you know, meeting all the athletes that it was infectious. So it wasn't, you know, it, it seems crazy to think like, wow, you slept like three hours a night. But um, it was, the Olympics are so special and like, you know, it's a finite time. So I feel like you can do anything for a finite time. <laughs> and like, even when like your specific role, right? Like vice president and mm-hmm. executive producer, like what does that specifically entail? So you know, I'm involved in all the long-term planning for the games. So like I said, we're already talking about Paris or, you know, going, you know, you know, full speed ahead with Beijing. Um, I'm in charge of all the talent hiring. 
So, you know, it's finding, okay, who can call Taekwondo and break it down for the U.S. audience? Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to know your sports. Another thing to be able to explain your sport to people who have never seen it before or watch it every oh, yeah. four years. So, you know, that takes, I mean, we had almost 200 talent for the Tokyo Games um, across all these crazy platforms. And, you know, it's, it's getting this talent. We have a lot of rookie talent. So I do seminars with them. Um, but, you know, overall, we talk about like, how are we going to cover different things? Who can we hire to produce these sports? What tools do they need to produce these sports? Like, okay, if that's airing there, you know, what, you know, like we have people who do a whole schedule, which is insane for 7,000 hours of, of coverage, wow. you know, to put that puzzle together. But, um, you know, it, it's mostly like long-term planning and then, you know, really getting into um, the details as we get closer to the games, like hiring you know, everybody for every single production position, um, working with our operations team to make sure like everyone has flights and hotels. And, um, you know, there's so many things that go into producing an Olympic games that it's, um, it, it takes an army and we, we certainly have a good one, so. But how do you start so early? Cause this is like, to me, this is like prepping for a test that's like three weeks. <laughs> in advance. I know. And I was never good at that at school. I always, I was much better the night before a test. Um, you know what? It's so complicated and every um, locale has different set of rules. So you have mm. to work with the local committee and understand what the local laws are. You know, they're different labor laws. They're different, you know, you might need to have permits to shoot in different places. So yeah. you have to start that early because, you know, there are just so many questions that you have and so many things to figure out. But overall, how do you think the Olympics has changed? You know, we've been working it for like past 25 years. Like, how do you think that it's changed over time? I think they really evolved a lot. Like, I think, I mean, you hit on it. You said you love skateboarding. Like, I think adding skateboarding and surfing and sport climbing and 3x3 basketball was so, I don't know how much of that you watch, but I love that. Yeah. I'm like, like over the moon about that sport. So I think they recognize that there are all these different sports, you know, that, that people are doing in, in um, Paris, they're gonna have break dancing, which um, if, you, if you go on YouTube, um, they had it at the Youth Olympic Games a few years ago. It's really fun. It's a really cool thing. So I think they're recognizing that the world is changing and people are competing in different sports. And, you know, I, I also think it's amazing how, you know, I touched on it a little bit, but how comfortable the athletes are in telling their stories. You know, not only on social media, but I think Simone and Naomi yeah. and Michael Phelps are also brave for talking about the things that they've gone through. And I think that helps a lot of people. And I just think, I think your generation, the generation right before you are just so comfortable talking about these things that may have been taboo before. And I think that's really important. And I think that, um, you know, not only has it helped a lot of people, but I think it's going to encourage more people to, to participate in sport which I think is fantastic yeah and I think you know it was just incredible and I think like especially what Simone Biles did at that stage yeah. in the spotlight yeah. like it was it was really incredible I think like there's so many people that are starting to come out about mental health issues and people like okay this is real and yeah. I talk about this all the time and I think athletes have the hardest part mentally because it's so mentally tough mm -hmm. and I mean it and it's tough you know it's tough if you're like a in a singular sport, you know, like, oh. a, you know, Simone <laughs> gymnastic, but it's also tough if you're on a team because then are you letting all your teammates down? So there's so much pressure. And these athletes are, I think people lose sight of how young these athletes are also. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, 
incredible to me what they go through and how dedicated they are. And I think it's really important that they're talking about, you know, it's okay to feel this way. Like, you know, you can get help. This is how you deal with it. Like, you know, and we had Michael Phelps on as a studio guest uh, a few times and he and Mike Tirico had this great conversation about mental health. And, you know, I think Michael was one of the first people to really talk openly about what he'd gone through and like how, how he dealt with it. And I think it just, you know, the more those, I think those conversations are really important and I do think they help so many people, but I, I really, this younger generation of athletes, I think is really impressive because they're, they're so poised and, um, and confident and not afraid to, to talk about some of these tougher issues. Yeah. No, I think it's incredible to like, just even see that happening. Cause you know that there are other people going through that, but like, if that's not always being talked yeah. about. Yeah. You know, and, and I think usually people are like, oh no, you have to go just do your job. It's like, no, it's, you can, you can talk about this. You can get help. So. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for people that might be looking to enter that, that kind of field of sports media? I always say, take, you know, take any job you see, like if you're interested in it, um, because once you get your foot in the door, like it's easier. Like I was talking about before to set up informationals with people and just get a sense of, of what jobs there are, you know, and, and just make sure you talk to people at, you know, every different aspect of it, because um, there's so many, you know, you can work in, you know, the live TV environment, but you could also work in marketing and still get to work in sports and it's really fun and, or business development. So then you're looking for, you know, can we do a deal and put this sport on TV or do this show? Um, so I think there's so many jobs that touch on different things in sports media. You know, I don't think people have to think, oh, I could, I have to start as a PA and do graphics. It's like, no, there's, there's a million different ways you can you can be involved and it's a really great business. And I am heartened to know, like I have an all female team um, wow. working with me, <laughs> which is really cool. And, you know, I think a, a lot more women are starting to enter the field. And I think that's great. Yeah, no, well, thank you so much. This is so interesting. It's been great. It's been great talking to you. So thank you.